0: The second Bible reading is from Isaiah. Today uh, it's from Isaiah, chapter two, verse five to twenty-two. You can front, uh, you can find in fr- uh, front of the Bible. It's page seven one six. Otherwise, you can follow here on the screen. Isaiah chapter two, verse five. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. You have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and clasp hands with pagans. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So men will be bought low and mankind humbled. Do not forgive them. Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant men will be humbled and the pride of men brought low. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted. And they will be humbled for all the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan, for all the towering mountains and all the high hills, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, for every trading ship and every stately vessel. The arrogance of men will be brought low and the pride of men humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day and the idols will totally disappear. Men will flee to caves in the rocks and to holes in the ground and from dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. In that day men will throw away to the rodents and bats, their idols of silver and idols of gold which they made to worship. They will flee to caverns in the rocks and to their overhanging cracks from dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. Stop trusting in man who has but a breath in his nostrils. Of what account is he? This is the word of God.
1: encourage you to uh, keep your Bibles open to Isaiah 2. If you were looking on the screen let me encourage you to open up a Bible uh, and open it up to Isaiah 2. I was going to joke that John had warned me that this is my last chance to preach well or else he's not letting me preach here again Uh, but he's already taken that from me. Uh, Let's pray, hopefully you've got an outline in front of you, let's pray and ask our God for help. Our Father, we do praise you that you have spoken, that you have spoken words that we can understand, that you have not left us in the dark. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand. We pray that you would open up our hearts to not only understand, but to be convicted of sin, and open up our hearts that we would see you clearly, that we will put our trust in you. Please work through me, work through my weakness, that we would all become like Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. History is full of people who seemed so powerful. And who fell so suddenly. They were respected. They were so respected that their downfall shocks us. Some through their foolishness. Some because somehow the little guy got the upper hand. Their fall leaves those around them dumbstruck. The classic example is David and Goliath. Goliath, the giant in heavy armor with sword and spear, is confronted by the teenager David. David, who had a slingshot, five smooth stones, but it only took one. He hit Goliath on the head with a stone, killing him. Just imagine, imagine seeing this giant fall. Imagine the laughter. And the arrogance of the Philistines turned to shock and fear. There are modern examples too. Before this month, I had never heard of Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein has produced all of the Lord of the Rings movies, Shakespeare in Love, Emma, The King's Speech, Silver Linings Playbook, Goodwill Hunting, and the list just keeps going on and on. Meryl Streep called him God, in one of her thank you speeches at the Oscars. He seemed so untouchable, but now, now he's being denounced by all of his friends because of the allegations of sexual abuse and, or sexual assault rather, and and even rape. Whatever happens to him, Isaiah is warning us that the story hasn't ended. Being humbled for a moment in our society is just a taste of what will happen one day. In chapter 2, Isaiah hones in on pride and he warns us that judgment is coming. And I know that you don't really relate to Goliath and you don't really relate to Harvey Weinstein. Their pride, that's, that's over the top. It's beyond anything that us normal people experience. One was a warrior and a giant who fought God's people. The other is accused of abusing his powerful position to commit sexual assault. They're way worse at pride than we are, I know that. But can we learn something from them? Is there still something in Isaiah 2 to make us sweat? Maybe we all still have just that little bit of pride. Or maybe it's just me. But we need to be clear on whether we do suffer with pride or not because wouldn't it be awful to go through life thinking that you are safe only to find that you are blindly headed towards disaster? Isaiah's message is clear and it is simple. Be humble or be humbled. The people in Isaiah's day didn't realise that they were proud. They didn't know the disaster that was headed for them. They were walking in the dark with no idea that they were proud. Are we the same? Let's have a look at the first section, verses 5 to 8 where the proud walk in darkness. Read verse 5 with me. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah says this because before now, they weren't walking in the light of the Lord. They've been walking in darkness. But what does it mean? What does that mean to walk in darkness? In verse 6, Isaiah speaks directly to God, and he paints a devastating picture Look at verse 6. They are full of superstitions from the East and they practice divination. They were trying to control the future. They were trying to control the gods through these practices, just like the nations around them. Instead of drawing the nations to God, the nations were drawing them away from God. It's just like the Christian who dates that non-Christian boy, hoping to convert him, only to find that she herself is being pulled away to worship the Australian gods of comfort and pleasure. Look at verse 7. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. In Deuteronomy 17, God had said that the king was not supposed to soar up wealth and he wasn't supposed to have many horses, but this king had disobeyed. Now, of course, a king wants lots of money. Of course, a king wants lots of horses for his large army, but God had said no to all of that. And instead of trusting God to keep the nation safe, instead he was trusting in his own wealth, in his own Power in his own army. Verse 8, their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. These people were walking in darkness. Devoted to sin, they had made themselves fake, worthless gods to worship. Instead of worshipping the one true and living God, Who was there with them? Remember, God is speaking to his people here. He's not out speaking to the nations and warning them. He's speaking to his people. And so we have to ask the question is this us? How do I do this? How do I show pride? God's law said one thing, and the people were doing the opposite. Instead of trusting God in their pride, they thought that they knew best. do we do that? What do we do that says to God, I know that you want me to do that, that you want me to live that way, but I don't trust that you know best. How are we like Weinstein? He knew, let's assume that the stories are true, he knew that what he was doing was terrible. Everyone who does that sort of thing knows that. But in his pride, He thought that he could make his life better without God, without his ways. He didn't trust God. He proudly trusted himself. How do we do that? What superstitions do we have? If we do this, God will do that. Do we try and manipulate God? Just a bit. Can quiet times become superstitious, for instance? I'm tempted to think that way. Every time I have a really good week or a really good month of doing quiet times, of reading my Bible and praying, I think that because of that, my life will be just that little bit easier. My kids will behave just that little bit better. And the opposite is true if I haven't read my Bible well, if I haven't prayed diligently like I know I should, I think that I'm the cause when things don't work out well. Either way, I'm placing importance on myself. I'm I'm having pride on myself and whether things work out well or not. I think that what I'm doing in my quiet time has impacted these things. God has... Decided to bless me or not based on that. Whether you read your horoscopes to see what the stars say or you trust in lucky numbers or you rely on doing your quiet times for things to work out well, you're being superstitious. You're trusting yourself to control the future, not God. You're actually thinking that you can manipulate God. You're just like me. Or maybe we try and control life another way. We go for the job with status because that will protect us. That will give us what we need. We trust in our wealth and in our possessions. We live in Australia. We live in a consumeristic society. We proudly think that we can provide for ourselves. We're proud and we walk in darkness. We live as if we don't need God. I'm guessing that God really is speaking to us in Isaiah 2. Maybe we aren't really that different to Weinstein after all. He showed his pride in a different way to us, but the root is the same. We're proud and so we don't look to God to protect us from the future. Isaiah calls the people to walk in the light of the Lord, to be humble. Because they're in darkness. They are full of prideful sin. But the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Isaiah says to be humble or be humbled. And we need to know that, don't we? Because what happens to the proud? What happens to the proud who walk in darkness? Well, they're brought low. And so let's have a look at verse 9 and verses 12 to 18, where the high... Are brought low. Look at verse 9. So man will be brought low and mankind humbled. Do not forgive them. The people of Judah thought they could get away uh, with ignoring God, being proud, doing things their own way, not God's. But Isaiah says, no. Though they've lifted themselves up, they will be brought down. They will be humbled and there will be no forgiveness for them. It will be too late. This won't be a temporary humbling that will spur them on to repentance. No, this is it. This humbling won't be done in private either. It won't be like that friend who pulls you to the side for a quiet chat when you've done the wrong thing. It's happened to me more times than I can count. Jesse, you were a bit pushy with that person. Jesse, that thing that you posted on Facebook really wasn't helpful. It hurts enough when it's private, doesn't it? But how much worse is it when it's in public, when someone calls you out for something that you know that you've done wrong in front of everyone? It is humiliating. Mark Driscoll experienced a public humiliation. He was the head of... Uh, Mars Hill in in America, a, a large church. But only a few years ago, there was scandal. He'd been misusing money to promote his books. He was a bully to the other church leaders. He was proud and arrogant and suddenly, he was brought down. He stepped down from the church. Mars Hill doesn't exist anymore. Driscoll says he's repented and I hope that's true, but he was humiliated. People are humbled in this life and they have the chance to repent, but that is not what Isaiah is talking about here. Look at verse 12. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. This day is the final day, the great day of judgment, where God's people will find life, and those who rebelled against God will find justice. What do you think? Why do you think Isaiah mentions trees, mountains, hills, towers, walls? Why do you think he mentions that they will be brought down? Seems a bit strange, doesn't it? Well, it's because the people use these things. And they relied on them as a defence against their enemies. They were things that made them think that they didn't need to rely on God to save them. And so Isaiah says these things will all be torn down. All to humble them, he says in verse 17. God alone will be exalted. Everything that brought them security in the ancient world, the walls and mountains which surrounded them, which stopped the enemy attack, they would all be wiped out and the people would be humbled. They would be brought low. They would be judged. Why? Because the Lord alone will be exalted. Before, God was ignored. They didn't care about what God thought. They didn't care about his law. They paid lip service to serving him and then they went and worshipped the idols. But those idols would disappear. God will remain, the Lord over all. He alone will be exalted and everyone will acknowledge him. We feel safe in Australia. We don't even think about it. We don't have enemies at our borders, we're protected by the ocean. We have the ANZUS treaty. Not that we really care about New Zealand. It's America that really matters. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's America that really matters, but we don't even think about that, do we? We don't even think about the ANZUS Treaty very much because we're so safe. We arrogantly don't think about our safety and we don't thank God for it. And when we do think about it, where's our trust? Our trust is in our army. It's in our navy, our air force. Sort of in New Zealand, it's in America. But Isaiah tells the people... He tells the people of Judah that all those things that keep them safe from others won't keep them safe from him and our army and the American army and all the nuclear weapons in the world won't keep us safe from God either. Our our pride in our security will be ripped from us. Isaiah warns us, be humble. Or be humbled. The people have been proud walking in darkness by rejecting God, puffing themselves up, but now they have been warned that the high will be brought low. And how should the people respond to this message? Well, they should be dreading. They should be dreading the coming of God. Verses 10 to 11, and 19 and 22, focus on the emotional reaction that they'll have when God comes to judge. The great day of judgment is coming, and they are in God's crosshairs. And we seriously need to ask the question of ourselves, are we in the same boat? Should we be feeling uh, that way about that day? Dreading the God of judgment. In verse 10, go into the rocks, hide in the ground from the dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant man will be humbled and the pride of men brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. Isaiah says, run and hide. These people have claimed to be God's people, but they haven't lived like it. God wasn't really their God. They were trusting in themselves. They thought that they could control the future, that they could control God. They thought that they'd make themselves safe with their money, their horses, their chariots. They were worshipping the idols of the nations all around them. But what will all of their work, wealth, what will all of their worship get them in the end? Nothing. Nothing. And actually, worse than nothing, because for all of that, they'll actually get God's anger. And what will they do? Show God all the gold that they have, that they've been trusting in? Show Him all the idols that they've been worshipping? Of course not. They'll see God coming and they'll run. Verse 19 almost repeats verse 10. They'll flee to, the cave, to caves in the rocks and holes in the ground. And their idols, which were supposed to protect them. Look at verse 20. In that day, men will throw away to the rodents and bats their idols of silver and idols of gold, which they made to worship. On that day, they will see God And they will be terrified. And finally, they will realise that their idols are worthless and they will throw them away like rubbish. Can you imagine that day? Seeing the one true God. And knowing that you haven't really lived for him. That he hasn't really been your God. Knowing that nothing that you've been has really been for him. It's been all about you. And you know that he will demand that you give an account. We want the proud men like Weinstein to be judged. But the day will come when we are in the judgment seat. When the God who made this earth announces his sentence on us. So what will we do? Will we show him our grades? How hard we've worked? How hard we've studied? Will we show him our business card? CEO of a company? Doctor? Lawyer? Minister of a church? What about our bank balance? Or the car we drive? Will we show him our family? What if we... Done that will keep him from judging us, that will save us from his judgment? Absolutely nothing. When we see the judge on the throne, if we've been putting our hope in them, we will finally see how foolish we are. If we've been trusting in these things, we've really been trusting in ourselves, in our own abilities. God hates pride. And he will judge us for it. Just like God will tear down every high wall, he'll tear down everyone who trusts in themselves. If we trust in our accomplishments, we may as well flush everything that we've done down the toilet. Just like the people in verse 20 will throw their idols to the rodents and the bats, they will not help. They will be useless. And so what can we do? How can we escape this day when the proud will dread the Lord? Look at verse 22. Stop trusting in man who has but a breath in his nostrils. Of what account is he? We escape the day not by trusting in ourselves or trusting in any other person. The only reason that we trust ourselves, by the way, is because we forget how small we are. We are fragile creatures. We have breath in our nostrils, and that breath can so easily be taken away. But if we can't trust ourselves, who can we trust? What can we trust? Only God. He is the one who can keep you safe from his judgment. If you trust in him, all of a sudden, he's not the one that you dread. He doesn't come to destroy you anymore. He comes to save you. And so how can we throw off our pride and trust God? Only by trusting what he did in Jesus. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus, God the Son, humbled himself. In humility, Jesus was born to a poor family and slept in a manger. In humility, the one who created the trees with just a word was hung on a tree. And he invites us now to humbly accept his sacrifice, he paid the cost of our pride by dying the death that we deserved. By his death, he took on our sin. He took on the sin of all those who would believe in him. If you trust in that and not in yourself, you will be saved now we know that trusting God, trusting Jesus, it means not just finding forgiveness in Him, but it also means living for Him. And we saw that in Romans 6 earlier this year. The tragedy is, though, that even when you think that you're trusting in Jesus, even when you think you are living for Jesus, you can still be so full of pride. Christians still struggle with pride. I know I do. In the morning service we've been going through a sermon series on those Reformation statements and I've been thinking lately of how easy it is for us to be proud about the Reformation, to be proud about what we believe. In the Presbyterian Church we look at the Bible carefully, trying to understand it and that is a great thing, it is something to be thankful for but we can become proud. We can start to look down on others. We might think that we're better than other Christians. We can start to look down on people in the Catholic Church or, or, or Pentecostals. We might look down on liberal Christians or Arminians, all those groups that we had in our Reformation debate. We feel proud thinking that we're so intelligent. Isn't that foolish? We believe that everything is a gift from God. Everything that we know about God and his gospel is a gift. When I'm proud about knowledge, I'm actually showing how stupid I really am. Because I don't really believe what I say I believe. And then our thinking moves to the non-religious person and we wonder why they won't believe. I don't know about you, but I so easily forget that if God hadn't given me new birth, I would be dead in my sin right now. If he hadn't given me sight, I would be blind. It's not because I'm smart that I'm Christian or that I'm reformed. It's only by God's grace. So I should be humble. Everything I have, every right belief about God, every moral conviction is a gift. How can I be arrogant? Are you proud? It's so easy to think that we're better than others, to think that we're so much better than people like Harvey Weinstein. At the start, I said that he was more proud than us, But isn't that a proud thing to say? Shouldn't we be acknowledging that we're just like him in our hearts? That would be the humble thing, wouldn't it? We've read Isaiah 2. We've heard God's message to us. God is saying be humble or be humbled. Trust in him. Don't try and find safety in anything else. Certainly not in yourself. He offers safety from judgment. The proud walk in darkness. The proud will be brought low. The proud will dread God when he comes. And so be humble, like Jesus was humble. Don't think that you can find another way to be secure in this life. Why would you trust you, who has but a breath in your nostrils? Trust in the one who made you. Trust in the one who humbled himself. Because the day is coming when Christ returns. Not in humility this time, but in judgment. Be humble, or you will be humbled. Let's pray. Our Father, we praise you for the humility of your Son, who all those years ago came and suffered and died so that he could save a people for himself and for you. We pray, our Father, that you would humble us, that we would be people who throw off pride, who by your spirit trust you and love you and live for you. We pray that on that day, we would not be found to be trusting in ourselves. We would only be found to be trusting in you and in what you have provided us in Christ. Our Father, we cannot do this alone. Pride so easily creeps up on us again. So we pray that your spirit would be active in our hearts, always rooting out that insidious sin. We pray this for the glory of your name and for our good. Amen.